Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that raises the curtain on everyday history and lets it take a bow. I'm Gabe Lusier, and in this episode, we're talking about the time when a group of posh cynics played a prank on the general public by selling them tickets to a non-existent show. The day was January 16th, 1749. An angry crowd destroyed a London theater after a performer known as the Bottle Conjurer failed to make his scheduled appearance. Ticket holders had waited for hours in the Haymarket Theater, staring at a stage with nothing on it except for a small table adorned with an empty wine bottle. They had been promised an evening of magic, with the most enticing feat being the one where the performer pledged to jump inside an ordinary bottle. But more than an hour after the scheduled showtime, the bottle conjurer hadn't shown up. With the crowd growing restless, the theater manager finally decided to call off the show and began offering full refunds. However, rather than take their money and go, some in the crowd began to vent their frustration on the theater itself. They tore it apart, piece by piece, then piled the debris in the middle of the street and set it on fire. In the aftermath of that riot, many questions remained unanswered. What happened to the bottle conjurer? Did he ever exist in the first place? And if not, who invented him? And why? The initial theory was that theater manager Samuel Foote and theater owner John Potter had perpetrated the hoax as a way to boost ticket sales. However, as Potter pointed out, he had fully intended to refund all the tickets sold, until the riot broke out and all the evening's profits disappeared. As for the identity of the bottle conjurer, neither man had ever met him before. His promoter had made all the arrangements to rent the theater in advance, and neither Foote nor Potter had ever seen him before or since. The mystery promoter also placed an ad for the show in London newspapers, 
promising an evening of entertainment unlike any other. First, the ad read, he takes a common walking cane from any of the spectators, and thereon plays the music of every instrument now in use, and likewise sings to surprising perfections. Secondly, he presents you with a common wine bottle, which any of the spectators may first examine. This bottle is placed on a table in the middle of the stage, and he, without any equivocation, goes into it, in sight of all the spectators, and sings in it. During his stay in the bottle, any person may handle it, and see plainly that it does not exceed a common tavern bottle. That alone would probably be enough to hook most people, but just to make sure, the ad went on to promise that the conjurer would literally raise the dead, for an additional fee, of course. As the ad put it, quote, Anyone desirous of seeing a representation of any deceased person, such as husband or wife, sister or brother, or any intimate friend of either sex, shall be gratified by seeing and conversing with them for some minutes, as if alive, upon making a gratuity to the performer. The entertainment on offer had always seemed too good to be true, but on the evening of January 16th, people swarmed to the Haymarket Theatre anyway, willing to gamble on a chance to witness the impossible. The sold-out show attracted all levels of society, too, including royalty. Prince William, the Duke of Cumberland, was said to be in attendance that night and later lost his jeweled sword while trying to make a hasty exit. Once inside the theater, the anxious crowd had nothing to do but wait and wait and wait. The 6.30 showtime came and went, with no sign of the performer, and as the minutes turned to hours, the mood of the crowd began to sour. The Ipswich Journal later described the scene, saying, quote, Without so much as a single fiddle to keep the audience in good humor, many grew impatient. Immediately following a chorus of catcalls, heightened by loud vociferations, came beating with sticks. At that point, Samuel Foote took the stage to try and soothe the crowd. They demanded refunds, which the manager agreed to, but before any money could be paid out, some in the crowd turned violent. It's unclear how the fighting started, but the tipping point seems to have been someone yelling out that, if anyone was willing to pay him double, he would outdo the conjurer by stuffing himself into a pint bottle. Everyone had a good laugh, but then someone threw a lit candle onto the stage and chaos ensued. Most of the audience headed straight for the exit, but some stayed inside to wreck the place. According to one famous account of the era, quote, they tore up the benches, broke to pieces the scenes, pulled down the boxes, in short, dismantled the theater entirely, carrying away the particulars above mentioned into the street where they made a mighty bonfire. The curtain was raised on a pole as if it were a flag. In all the confusion, the box office receipts went missing. Maybe the money was carried off, or maybe it was burned by mistake. The one thing that's clear is that neither the theater nor the ticket holders got their money back. Amazingly, only one minor injury was reported, and by morning, the bonfire had been extinguished and the crowd had dispersed peacefully. The instigators, and those who took part in the riot, were never identified. In the days and weeks that followed, rumors swirled about what had really happened that night. 
Many parodies and satires were written about the event as well, adding further confusion to the historical record. The general consensus, though, then and now, is that someone set out to make fools of the audience on purpose. They advertised a made-up performance that no sensible person would believe possible, and then presumably had a good laugh at the gullible rubes who showed up to see it. The fact that it all turned so ugly was probably icing on the cake for whoever was responsible for the hoax. It wasn't until more than two decades later that the truth behind the ruse finally leaked out. The idea had been hatched in early January of 1749, shortly before the over-the-top ad first appeared in the paper. A group of English nobles were gathered in London, and somehow they got on the subject of human gullibility. Among those in attendance were the Earl of Chesterfield and the second Duke of Montague, John Montague. Some sources say it was actually the Duke of Portland instead of Montague, although it's possible both men were there. It would make more sense for John Montague to be behind the prank, though, as he was a notorious practical joker. According to his mother-in-law, quote, All his talents lie in things only natural in boys of 15 years old, and he is about two in 50. To get people into his garden and wet them with squirts, and to invite people to his country houses and put things in beds to make them itch, and 20 such pretty fancies as these. In either case, one of the dukes reportedly made a wager with the Earl of Chesterfield to gauge just how gullible the public really was. He bet that even if they advertised the most impossible thing in the world, they would still find enough paying customers to fill a London playhouse. The Earl was unconvinced. He wagered that if someone said they could jump inside a bottle, that would surely be too ridiculous for anyone to believe. The Duke admitted that did sound pretty dumb, but he still thought the London populace was gullible enough to fall for it. The rest of the group thought it would be a laugh to find out which man was right, so they sat down together and wrote up the most outlandish ad they could. In the end, the Duke won the bet, proving that the public was just as gullible as he had suspected. For decades afterward, any performer who over-promised and under-delivered was referred to as a bottle conjurer. Additionally, the event itself became a symbol, both of the naivete of 18th century Londoners and of the general danger of unchecked curiosity. Today, the ordeal still stands as a darkly comic reminder that if something sounds too good to be true, there's a good chance it is. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. With 
With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.